The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie. Well, March 8th today marks International Women's Day, the date that has been commemorating womanhood in some manner for 110 years. To discuss the importance of International Women's Day, I'm joined this morning by Jack Sinneth. She is a, a woman who describes herself as a mom, a wife, an activist, a feminist, and also the woman behind Sassy Pots and Plates. You're welcome back to Sunday Grill. Thanks, Orla. And Lisa Connolly, she's the owner of Finders Keepers, an independent home and giftware store based in Washford City. You're both very welcome. Thanks, Orla. And happy International Women's Day. Yay. Happy International happy Women's Day. Day. <laughs> what does International Women's Day mean to you? I don't think I had much conscious thought about it when I was a teenager. I, I don't think it's as publicised as maybe it is now. Would you agree? Yeah, no, I had no clue. No. <laughs> I definitely wasn't on my radar. To be honest, a lot of these things weren't really on my radar until I became a parent, mm. which yeah. is kind of strange. But I think that's when I started to realise that um, how just how much things were geared towards the patriarchy mm-hmm. and men. Like mm-hmm. this would have been the first time I went on maternity leave mm. and then trying to navigate that, trying to go back to work mm-hmm. after maternity leave and all the obstacles in that way. Mm-hmm. And then I was aware of it then, but... The first time I got really involved with it was probably Strike for Repeal in 2017. Mm -hmm. That's when I would have actually marked International Women's Day. And how did you mark it back then? Well, 2017, Strike for Repeal was when all of the women of Ireland who were were asking for um, the government to Mm -hmm. decide on repealing the Eighth Amendment. Mm -hmm. So we were asked to strike, literally to down tools, whether you were at work or at home or wherever you were, and just down tools for an hour, march, take to the streets, or wear black, do whatever you could to to mark that it was International Women's Day and you were taking a stand that way. I was at home with a three-year-old and a small baby, so downing tools is not really possible. Mm, true. <laughs> I mean, they're not going to look after themselves, no. unfortunately. <laughs> so um, what we did was we wore black and we gathered in uh, Momo in Woodford and uh, Camilla and other uh, wonderful strong woman hosted us there and we had a coffee morning for parents of small kids who weren't able to take to Dublin and take to the streets for it. Brilliant. And what does it mean to you then, Lisa, International Women's Day? I guess it's the day to shine the light on women, like women's great achievements, but just also women in general to give them a chance to reflect on how amazing women are. Like we often, I think we're lone rangers. Sometimes you try to wear a million different hats you just put your head down and work as hard as possible. Mm-hmm. Whereas I think a day like this, it actually makes women stop and think, OK, I am doing mm. a great job. I'm kicking ass and mm-hmm. keeping all these plates spinning. And mm. I think it's important. Um, as a business owner, do you make a conscious effort to supply work that's by women or does it come naturally to you? Um Well, we have a huge amount of um, female makers and designers stocked in the store, but it's not because I actively just went out to source Mm. women. It's always judged on the product and, you know, if I think it will connect well with their Mm -hmm. customers. And women are just amazing makers and designers like Jack. There's so many women doing great things. Um, So it it wasn't something that I went out to just... It just happened. Yeah. Mm. Um, this year's International Women's Day theme, it's set by the UN, is I am Generation Equality, Realising Women's Rights. How would you interpret that? Oh, it's such a, a big, a big, big question. And mm. I, I guess it depends on where you are. Like, I feel very lucky to be a woman in Ireland. Um, I mean, we have things very good here. Um, two of my friends, they set up a youth centre in Ethiopia when they left school and I was lucky enough to go out there a few years ago and you just see a whole other world of women there who have huge issues and it's really just, oh, it, it breaks my heart. You know, I, I know things can be hard here sometimes for women, but when I've seen what life is like over Mm. there. And life over there is hard anyway, but did you find that it was harder because of your gender, because of their gender being female? Yeah, 100%. You know, they weren't allowed to use birth control, um, would have so many kids in, like, literally a room the size of this, like, with a muck floor, can't feed them, they're sick, there's no health care, they won't approach any of these topics with their husbands 
they weren't in the community working. Um, the youth centre that was there um, that I went to, it was pr- predominantly set up to help the kids, obviously. But um, as a chain reaction, the girls are there over 10 years now. They've done so much work and they've started um, a micro enterprise program there. Mm-hmm. So there is, you know, a budget each year where they're investing in small businesses like what I'm seeing now mm. through the shop, small um, independent businesses that we get to work with. And there's a huge amount of women over there now who are being empowered to set up their own little street shops to buy animals that they can breed and mm. then um, sell. It's, yeah, mm. but it's just a whole other kettle of fish. That word is so interesting, empowering women. Mm-hmm. What does that mean to you, Jack, empowering women? Well, um, empowering women is definitely supporting women to realise and to to get to the potential that they already have within mm-hmm. them. Mm-hmm. And I think empowerment in Ireland is kind of fraught with um, sometimes negative connotations. And even the word feminism and feminist is um, sometimes it can get people's back up if mm-hmm. you say that you're a feminist. Even International Women's Day, like you were saying off yeah. air, we always hear what about men who yeah. do have an international day, as we said. Yes, they mm-hmm. definitely do. That's every day. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I but it, they do hear I think, lot. yeah. Um, <laughs> Feminism can get people's backs up, but we know um, from history and we know from our country's history that empowerment is not over. You know, it's not like everybody is empowered now. And I think probably the youth now who have never known like and teenagers now who will be growing up in an Ireland um, with marriage equality, with uh, abortion rights, they won't understand the women that went before them in mm-hmm. order to get that. Mm-hmm. And like International Women's Day is so important in that sense, mm-hmm. in remembering remind. and honouring mm-hmm. and reminding yeah. people mm-hmm. of where we were 50 years ago, 30 years ago, mm-hmm. 20 years ago. If you had told me 10 years ago that we would have had, we will have abortion in mm-hmm. Ireland, nobody would have believed mm-hmm. it. And I think it was such a landslide victory that people are starting to notice, okay, things are changing, things are happening. Mm, but other things need to change. Other things do yeah. need to change. It's definitely not there yet. Yeah, yeah we're constantly, it's that glass ceiling of mm. everything. We're constantly being kept down a peg or two. Mm-hmm. And do you still feel that? Oh, yeah. As an individual? As an individual, no. Okay. But I think that would be, I think that's just me. And I've worked very hard to get where I am. And I've done a lot of work on myself and I still have that struggle on the daily to go, oh, what's this person going to think of me if I say that? Okay. And I think I kind of use social media in a way that can empower me Mm. to say this is actually who I am. These are my beliefs. This is what I think. This is my feminism. Deal with it. It's inclusive and that's who I am. And it's much easier to do that for me. Uh, within that uh, square of social media. Mm-hmm. And Lisa, as a business owner, is it all a juggle for you as a woman? Yeah. Um, I mean, I had my first baby, um, I think it was six months into when we opened the shop. Okay. So that was So you huge. were pregnant opening the shop, yeah. were you? Okay. Yeah. Mm. So not only was I learning to run a business, I was learning to become a mom. Mm. Like my partner is amazing. We're so equal. But like that, I think as a woman, you do just take so mm. much more on mm-hmm. um, running everything and managing. And putting other people first. Yeah, mm. it's so true. Yeah, I get, maybe it is a fact of being a woman mm. that we do take care of people mm-hmm. really well. And um, that's not a bad thing. And no. I don't think that's a bad thing to admit. Um, but I guess the burden that comes with that is then you end up taking care of everyone Mm. and everything. So was that maternity leave an option for you? No. No. Um, No, it wasn't. (laughs) I was, um, I had six weeks where I wasn't in the shop, but like that at home, like any spare moment I could get, um, I was doing work. Thinking back now, there's just so it was just bonkers. Like it's. But when you were doing it, was it okay? It you know, was, we talk about totally. being multitaskers and how mm. it's brilliant to be busy. Were yeah. you okay with that? I was because I was just in it and I was doing it. Mm. Um, I went back to the shop after six weeks. Now I was only in there two days a week, but like that, trying to express milk out the back, like when there was no customers in the shop, and then I'd run back out onto the shop floor when I heard someone coming in, mm-hmm. back out. Like it was just bonkers. Mm. Um. 
obviously I think it'd be very different. The business is more established now. If I do have another baby, it would it, it was just mm. two big things happened at once. Um But that's so interesting because that's like nobody from the outside, like looking at finders and like it's kind of nobody would have known that all of this was going on in yeah. the background. Yeah. Mm. And that's the thing about women. It's like um, you know, the the unseen work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And I remember there was a film out a few years ago, oh, she she's got it all or oh, yes. the Sarah Jessica Parker thing. Mm. But it's like you kind of have to be seen to be doing it all. Yeah. yeah. Rather than go, oh, this is hard yeah. or whatever. See, I'm and so busy. I'm yeah. so busy. Yeah. I'm so busy. Yeah. yeah. The busy, like you're busy being busy. Yeah. 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 True. Well, it's great to talk to you both. And we celebrate you and all women today on International Women's Day. If you want to check out what Jack and Lisa are doing, Lisa is at Finder Keepers, the store on Instagram. If you want to search for Jack Sinnott and what she does, your uh, fabulous feminist Christmas decorations were on my tree this year. (laughs) My four-year-old drew all over them. But I think I quite liked that (laughs) as well. (laughs) And you want to check out what she does, just search for Jack Sinnott on Instagram and Jack is J-A-C. Thanks a million for coming in this morning. Thanks so much, Orla. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, my next guest is a firm believer in mindset and facing up to adversity. And he's using his own experiences with past challenges as a tool. Derek Rowe is from County Wexford and he's a performance coach and he's here to tell us more about those challenges and why he is a really big believer in mindset. You're very welcome. Thank you, Orla. How are you? I'm very well, thank Good. you. We've just been talking off air about some of those challenges. There's a lot of them. Yes, life is a challenge, yeah. so I'm happy to uh, discuss the challenges people face today. So where will we start with you? Where, where, How do you tell your story when someone asks you how you ended up being a performance coach? What oh, motivated you to do that? So what motivate, motivated me to do it was, listen, there's a lot of people that are lacking direction. There's a lot of people that mm. have no clarity and have no plan in place. And from my own life experiences, um, I suppose I do nearly like to say I have a PhD in life because I've been through so much. Um, you know, six years ago, I told you I was in Camella. Mm-hmm. It's, it's a halfway house. So from that, I took it upon myself, you know, to have better quality leadership skills. Mm-hmm. I was able to lead the guys there. They were directionless. Now so, I've Sorry, so you were in the halfway house I was as indeed. a resident? As a resident for 10 months, yeah. Okay, and why were you there? I was there to basically to get my life back together. It was mm-hmm. a place for a lot of people who've had a lot of trouble. It could have been drink, drugs, um, violence with some of them. You know, it was just, you know, mm. people And where who were you in help. your life that you ended up needing something like came out? So basically, I would have, um, you know, I would have lived on the dark side, should we say, uh, Orla. And um, I was an unhappy man. Uh, it would have led me into a lot of addictions, um, you know, drink, drugs, and gambling would have got me in the end. So I would have gambled everything. And um, basically, I got a chance to go into the halfway house. I was a very lucky man. And, you know, once I got in there, I took it upon myself to, you know, delve into leadership and to be able to lead people in a better way of living, a better, a healthier life, better mindset, and to make me feel better. And, you know, when, you know, you're given, you're given away, you're given people hope. Mm. And that's what I found I was good at. Mm. I was good at inspiring people. Mm-hmm. Motivation isn't a thing I like to use because I think you have to motivate yourself mm-hmm. from the actions you take on a daily basis. Mm-hmm. So that's how I found my passion for that. And from there, um, I opened the gym. Okay. When people would have went, where are you going to get the money? Well, Vincent de Paul, thank you, Vincent de Paul gave me 400 euros wow. and that's how I okay. started. So from very so this low. Is what, a few years ago at this it's stage? It's five, six years ago. Okay, so you were just getting to 30 at this stage. You'd been in the I halfway. was 30, I you was 30, 30, yeah, yeah. You'd spent, what, six months? Ten in, months. Ten months in so the I halfway was, house. I was a month in primary treatment in Wexford and Ashiree okay. and then ten months. And you were in primary treatment in Ashiree yeah. for gambling or for, for a bit everything, of everything? Every, everything. And what got you to there? Did something happen that it was finally time to go and get some sort of treatment? Yeah, like it was really a case of, you know, and a lot of people will understand, a lot of your listeners will understand this. They're in a place where it's like, Jesus, how do I get out of here? It's so dark. You know, I didn't want to get out of bed. I was, I'd gamble everything. Mm. You know, at one stage, you know, I, I was... Looking in, I was doing well in my 20s. I could travel. I had, you know, I had some wealth, Mm. but I was very unhappy. Mm. And, you know, a lot of listeners will realize this today that 
they're in a dark place that they can't come out of it. It's the change of state. Mm-hmm. And it's what I coach people on now. Change your state, change your mindset, mm-hmm. make a plan. So I was lucky, but, you know, I had to take the responsibility myself because it's up, you know, it's up to every individual to take these mm. responsibilities. Mm. And, you know, I had at the time I had a, it's not a social worker, uh, it's type of a social mm. worker who, you know, believed in me and got me into primary treatment. And I did have difficulties. I'll be honest, I had difficulties in there. And, you know, what saved my life was coming to Waterford, was okay. was coming to Camilla. Okay. And I'll always owe my life to them because okay. there's a lot of people who haven't made it mm-hmm. going there. And so I do, I owe, I owe my heart, I owe mm. my life to that. And what was that? Was that the community effect of it or the length of time that you were there? Well, it was community, but it was more so I seen people who I could help. I took, it upon, I took a role in the house. Of, mm. Not that now the guys in the house... Probably said, Jesus, who's this guy? But I took it upon myself to show them nutrition, to bring them to the gym, uh-huh. to talk to them. Because this is something you were always interested in, even when all other stuff was happening. Yeah, without, without knowing it. Yeah. I, without, oh, okay. without, you know, without knowing it, but it clicked with me within a month in uh-huh. the house that I go, I think I have something here. Okay. I think I actually have, you know, whether you want to call it a gift, but I have something I can offer people. Okay. And from, I think, from life experience, it's great going to college and doing courses and stuff, but when you have real life experience, mm. that shows. Okay, which you definitely have. Now, um, you, as you said yourself, you had a whole gamble, gambit gamble. of yeah. addictions <laughs> yeah. from gambling to drugs yeah. to... But as a performance coach... I presume it's not just those extremes that you're coaching people in. What sort of people are coming to you? No, so it's it's professionals, really. You see, I how I fell into this was I've done, I have a mentor. Um, and I've always invested money. When I started the gym, I'd make money. I'd all, I was always interested in, you know, who can I learn from now? Who can I get the experience? Some good, some bad. You know, a lot of waste mm. of money, but a lot of good money as mm. well. And I found that people like myself had no direction. So professional people, mm-hmm. what's the next step? How can we move from A to B? How can we, you know, change our state coming from a dark place in a minute to change it to, you know, our thought process has been better. Mm. And that's where I step in. I help create strategy. I help give people a plan. Mm-hmm. And I give them hope. But more so, it's it's just using my own experience to help them but we're moving them forward professionally, we're moving them forward in their relationships and we're moving them forward in their health and fitness. So I like to say, listen, a full transformation for me is of both body and mind. One without the other is like having chips without salt and vinegar, mm. do you know what I mean? Mm. So that I take the whole approach, but the fitness is really only 30%. Okay. Because once we get the mind right and once we get focus, once we get clarity, that's there's a lot of happiness and it's, creating good feelings. Mm. Life is up and down. It's pain and pleasure. We mm. can accept that, but it's bringing better feelings into the now. So you are a performance coach, but you're also a personal trainer. So a lot of, are a lot of people coming to you for that kind of nutrition and fitness side of it? or or And then do you find that they have other stuff going on as well? Or is it vice versa? Okay, so I have two branches, okay. right? I have, <laughs> with the, I've moved from personal trainer sit down. to more... <laughs> The business of the gym, which okay. is body shape performance. So I have a couple of great lads in the gym, James Conley and Aaron Gallibert. Uh, the guys are amazing and they do a great job. So I'm more of the business head of that. So what my passion I found is is in leading people. It's, it is professionals coming to me. We do it online. I can have some of my sessions within the gym. But mm-hmm. yes, Orla, I do use nutrition and I do use fitness because... As I said, one without the other, it's not a complete transformation. But for me, it's changing people's state. It's giving them clarity. And more importantly, it's giving them transformational tools going forward to be able to, you know, a lot of people are stuck in work, in their bodies, in their minds, in their their relationships. Exactly. A lot Mm. of different, a lot of stuff Mm. going on. Too much going on. Where they don't want to be. Mm. Whereas when they have somebody like me to come in and go, look, have the overview create their perfect day and their perfect role in every aspect of their life. It's like the wheel of life, we could say. And 
we we see from that what needs to be worked on and then it's my responsibility to you it's my res- and their responsibility to me to work together as a team to get the best result we can possibly okay. and that is completely transformational okay i'm interested in what you say about perfect day what's your perfect day my perfect day is uh smiling like i am now <laughs> <laughs> okay. um, it's basically Waking up for me, not going on my phone. A lot of people are straight on the oh, phone. Yeah. That brings up, Guilty. you know. And another thing, actually, what I find is people watch too much rubbish. The news, Love Island. Sorry now, okay. listeners, but uh, a lot of people are guilty of this. And I it just is, ticked two boxes there. But a lot of the, it's a lot of negativity yeah, that's no, coming is. in. Mm-hmm. And for me, you know, what I would prescribe, what I would prescribe to myself if I was me talking to myself and the listeners, I would say, listen, leave the phone off till 11 or 12 in the day. If you can, only take emergency calls. You know, work on yourself, do a bit of journaling. I, I do a lot of journaling. I get out of the brain, onto paper, mm-hmm. will dissolve a lot of issues, will okay. make you feel better. Bit of meditation, yes. Nutrition, obviously. Plan your day. If your day isn't planned, how are you going to be a success? And that goes for life. If you don't have a plan of action for the next month, for the next 12 months, for the next two years, you're going to be on the hamster wheel. And that's, again, where I come in. It's, it's all planning, it's all structure, and it's all strategy. Mm, really interesting. And you know what? It's March now. Mm. And I think we're all a little bit shocked that it's March, that we're two months in, three yeah. months nearly into yeah. 2020, and we're probably still on that hamster wheel. <laughs> So you can help. If people want to check you out, you're on social media platforms. If you just search for Derek Rowe, yeah. you, you'll find them there. And if you want to check out what Derek is doing with personal training, then his gym is called BodyShapePerformance.com and it is based in Waterford City. And that website, of course, is BodyShapePerformance.com. Thank you so much for coming in. Thanks, Orla. You have lots of interesting stuff yeah. to say. I need to get off my phone. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks a million, Derek. Talk Thanks. to you again soon. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Waterford Women's Centre are celebrating 25 years and International Women's Day today. To tell us more, I'm joined by Breda Murphy and Maureen Tobin, who are from the centre. You're both very welcome. Thank, Thank you, you, Orla. And happy International Women's Day. And um, you too. Thank you. you. Um, tell me a little bit about what Waterford Women's Centre does. What sort of women come to it and what is your mission, really? Okay. Well, wonderful women come to the Women's Centre. Um, are we, we've been, as you said, we're celebrating 25 years this year. We've had thousands of women enter our doors over that um, 25 years and children. Um, I suppose what we say in our, you know, our mission would be to remove barriers to participation for women. Mm. So not all women face barriers to participation. I suppose if you have enough money and you've had enough privilege in life, you have access to a lot. Mm. So while there is still gender inequality, it's not across the board. It's not the same for every woman. Mm -hmm. So uh, some women have, um, you know, experience blocks in in uh, accessing education due to family circumstances, um, due to the responsibilities of caring that they may have. Mm -hmm. Um, So I, I came to the Women's Centre as a participant 25 years ago. And why did you come? Can you? Well, I suppose I, I say I came to the Women's Centre. The Women's Centre wasn't even set up. So I was okay. actually one of the 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 founder members of the Women's Centre. But I came for uh, I was already volunteering in, com- in mm. a community. I, I live in Passage and we had um, a women's group in Passage that mm-hmm. I set up. Um, and I loved community work. That's what I wanted to do. But I didn't have any qualifications. I'd left school without any formal qualifications. And so the Women's Centre um, and Access 2000, which it was known as at the time, because we thought everything was going to end in 2000 yeah. <laughs> <laughs> or, begin, or begin in 2000. <laughs> um, so what we did was we worked very closely and we got a European funding and we managed to get um, work with WIT and we developed a BA in community education and wow. development, which is still running. And okay. we deliver it now in the Women's Centre, which is wonderful. Okay. So there's many, many women have graduated with that degree over the years. And apart from the degree, what else can happen there? Can you drop in or? Well, we have um, community education programmes, health and well-being, you know, um, pathways to employment. We have a lead into employment programme. We have um, uh Bonnet Project, which were which is part of what we, the exhibition that's on in the library at the moment, 
um, the women have made bonnets uh, celebrating women who were transported to Van Diemen's land mm -hmm. back in the year, late 1800s um, for petty crime. Um, so we do a variety of programs. We have a 50 place childcare centre. Wow. I don't mention that. They'll kill okay. me because it's uh, it's an absolutely great facility to have. Mm. So you are creating a community there. We have. We mm. have created an alternative uh, space, I think, for women mm. um, and a very um, empowering space for women. And the theme for this year's International Women's Day, today's International Women's Day, is Each for Equal, to create a gender equal world. And you were thinking about that 25 years ago, as you said. And as you said, it has changed, but mm. you feel it's more about your place in the world as a woman. It's probably more advantageous if you have a good start in life almost. Yeah, I mm. think... Um but I think that's across all the all you know areas mm. of life mm. and all genders. All all genders, mm. yeah. Um, because if you have access to money, if you have access to privilege, if you've um, had access to education at a young age, then your choices in life are way different to somebody who hasn't had those mm. um, advantages. Yes, so yeah. true. What does International Women's Day mean to you, Bruda? Um, well, I've been celebrating International Women's Day since. My like I remember bringing my daughter to it when she was about six. Yeah. And uh, we had it was always a day to celebrate mm -hmm. women. Um, the first the, that was the first one that I think that was celebrated in Waterford in Garter Lane. Mm. And it's a wonderful day. It's a day, I suppose, in the Women's Centre that we it's a day we can advertise, we can highlight women. And it's a day that we always use to highlight women in history, mm -hmm. women who have been largely forgotten um, and particularly, you know, ordinary women who sometimes it seems like for a woman to be honoured, she has to be extraordinary. Oh, she has yes. to really she has to really kind of move into a man's world. Whereas um, over the you know, like last year, we we uh, put up a blue plaque to the cockle women. Okay. These were ordinary, resilient women. My grandmother was a cockle woman. This year, we put up a blue plaque to the Daily Sisters, who again were ordinary women who were extraordinary, really. And who were they? The Dailies um, ran a cafe for homeless men in Arundel Lane up to 1981. Wow. And when they attempts were made to evict them in 1981, 71 or two, I think um, the whole of Waterford came out and supported them and stopped the eviction. And they went on to continue to provide the cafe for another 10 years after that. And their blue palak is up now. In Arundel Lane. Yeah. Brilliant. And the cockle woman, I, I half know this story. In Arundel Lane as well. Last year, we put up the plaque to the cockle women mm. and there was over 40 descendants of the cockle women in Arundel Lane. And they were women who worked collecting they, cockles. They, yeah, they reared their families. Many of them were uh, widows, parenting alone with large, large families who walked, um, a lot, most of them were from Passage. Okay. And they, they you know, walked with maybe uh, using an ass and cart sometimes. And walked the coastline. And they walked from Passage to the back strand in Tremor, picking cockles. And then on they, they picked them for three days a week. And then Thursday they were washed and cooked and ready and boiled, ready for selling on Friday wow. in on the streets. You'll see both those plaques at yes, Arundel Square. Arundel, Arundel Lane, Arundel actually. Arundel Lane yeah. in Washford City. Yeah. Maureen, what does International Women's Day mean to you? And happy International Women's Day today. And many happy returns, Arla. <laughs> well, I suppose uh, today in particular, um, it, it means an awful lot to me because I am part of a team that are a, a part of a team of very passionate and eager women who came together in a voluntary capacity mm. to uh, to do something for the Women's Centre on International Women's Day. It's a fundraiser. Uh, Waterford Women's Centre haven't normally done fundraisers mm. in, the pa in the past, so we decided to uh, go ahead and do a big one this year. So, and you've been doing lots on the run-up to International Women's Day, but today in particular, uh, now it's kicking off at 11, but yes. just if people want to um, head out on a walk, it's called Well Girl, I love the name of it. Tell <laughs> us what you're going to be doing okay, today. Well, today we're having a, a seven-kilometre well girl walk okay. as we call it on the Greenway in Waterford starting at the WIT car park the walk will proceed down as far as Mount Congreve turn around there and come back again okay. we are so excited about it because this it's not just for women it's open to all members of the community young and old babies in buggies families 
we 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 are everybody is welcome and even if you can't do the full 7k if you want to want to do two or three mm. you can turn around again there's no problem and mm. um, we're delighted that we're having it's only 10 euro to register mm-hmm. if anybody wants to take a sponsorship card we'd be delighted but mm-hmm. there's no pressure because this um this walk is all about including everybody in the community mm. and we felt 10 10 euro was you mm. know, a, a little. It was. It was okay. Mm. It could be. And is it more about the community element and the chat in those seven kilometres? I know if I go out for a walk, absolutely I end up putting the world to rights. Well, absolutely, because I suppose the start of the walk is going to be launched by our local MEP Grace O'Sullivan, mm-hmm. and then we have a gorgeous young woman, Kate Field, a young athlete who's going to lead the walk for us. And then in the background, while all this is happening, we're going to have a young woman. Her name is Angel from the Mount Sinai Choir and she will be singing and playing the guitar. Gorgeous. So it's going to be a fun event for all the family. Fabulous. Well, that is today and you're uh, meeting at the Carganore car park there for the WIT yes. Arena and then making your way to Mount Congreve. 11 o'clock. 11 o'clock. And if you arrive along a bit too late, if you're only hearing Legate. about this now for the first time, just come on out here. We're, we del- even if you're half an hour and early, that's fine. You can still do the walk. OK, brilliant. Thanks, Maureen. Uh, that is great information. You can get more details on the Waterford Women's Centre if you go to waterfordswomenscentre.com. In the meantime, Brida and Maureen, thanks a million for joining me this morning. Thank, Thank you, you very much, Orla. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. Well, Fair City soap actor, panto favourite and now Dancing with the Stars contestant Ryan Andrews has been working in the world of theatre, stage and television since he was 10. He's busy practising with his dance partner Julia ahead of tonight's show. But he's taken a break to chat to us this morning and you're very welcome to the Sunday Grill, Ryan. Uh, thank you so much for having me on. I really appreciate it. Now, let's have a chat because I think you must be very, very busy at the moment. Are you? When you sign up for something like this, do you commit to the 12 weeks, not knowing whether you're going to be in for the full amount? Or Yes, yeah, so it, it's a crazy schedule. So we all started kind of rehearsals in November and you start from there and then the live show started on the 5th of January. So yeah, you, do, you just go from week to week but then as it's getting closer to the finals, the hours are just getting longer, the days are getting longer, and because obviously you want to put more into it mm. today. And so at sometimes we're doing eight hours a day, Monday wow. to Friday, for one minute 40 of a routine. So it's quite intense, but, you know, that's what you need to do to, you know, stay in the competition at this stage. And have you just kind of pushed everything else aside in order to commit to those eight hours a day? Yeah, kind of. And that's, to be honest, that's kind of the tricky part of it. Like, your personal life kind of takes a complete backseat. You don't see your mom or dad, like, or your girlfriend. You literally go home and you just go straight to bed to do it all again. But that's kind of the love of it as well, because it's so good that you want to just take in every single moment. But yet, Fair City has kind of taken a backseat, and that comes in when Dance with the Stars is finished. So it's, uh, it's quite mental, but still great. It must be so weird for the people who've just gone, like for Mary, for example, because once you're gone on Sunday, that's it. No more eight hours a day come Monday. So it's just done. Yeah. And do you know what it is? Like, uh, I've been talking to a few people like the likes of Mary and Sinead that to come down from that, it's, like, you know, it's quite hard because I was yeah. actually doing the Olympia Panto at the same time over the Christmas when I was rehearsing for this. So like to come down from the Panto and then, you know, I don't know what's going to happen when I when I leave this show. I don't yeah. know what I'll be doing. And then, but look, that's kind of that's kind of part of it as yeah. well. And it's so intense that you know you kind of nearly want to get into something straight away. And that's why I'm lucky that Fair City is yeah. back when I when I finished. Brilliant. And of course, you've been in Fair City since you were 16. As Sean Cassidy, your family are quite depleted now in Fair City, aren't they? Your mom died, of course, in a tragic accident on her wedding day. Neve has gone oh, off. Yeah. I don't even know where Neve is. What's it like not having a TV family in a soap like that now? It's actually, it's actually funny that you said that. I was only talking about that yesterday. <laughs> I, I was out on the set of Fair City. Me and Julie went out and we visited all, okay. all the cast and crew. So it was brilliant. Um, yeah, but in a way, it's like the, the on-set family isn't there. But what's good about it is we've been working with people there, as I said, for over 10 years now. So mm. we're nearly all like a family, even on the set as well. So I'm, Sean is just kind of going from one friend to the other. He yeah. works in this bar, works in that bar. To be honest, I don't even know what I'm doing half the time. I where just go where in does Sean stuff. live now? Remember Sean had a few flatmates in Alma and stuff like that. Does he have still that yeah. sort of situation going on? He, Sean still lives there, but uh, to be honest, I don't know who actually lives with Sean at this stage. <laughs> uh, it changes, I think, week to week. So uh, 
uh, every week there's someone new. Okay. Um, but I'm still working in the station when I go back. I go back to the station and uh, I take I kind of go back working full time there. So it's all good. Great. Hey, you must be really enjoying this. I know it's intense, but you have such a smile on your face and you're getting such yeah. great um, comments from the judges. It's it's really obvious that you're really embracing and loving this. Well, I am. Um, but thank you very much for saying it because it's like that was one of the fears uh, like a genuine kind of concern kind mm. of going into the show of, wow, this is the first time ever that people are going to be kind of know me as Ryan or know me and like from me and my personality where I've been in Pantos and even Fair City, people don't really know you if you know you as a character. So I was kind of daunted of like, what would people think? What would people say? And as you said, the comments and the reaction has been nothing but great. So I'm, um, I'm just loving it. And as you said, a smile on my face from start to finish. It's something I've always wanted to do. So, like, why would I not be smiling? Yeah, exactly. Well, look, you're the final five. It's about to head into quarter final stage. Tonight, we'll tell the tale. It's the TV theme week tonight. So what are you going to be doing? So, I am, yeah, as you said, it's TV team. I thought it was going to be dancing to the Fair City team. Show, oh, no. that would be brilliant. Um, now, what is this? Um, I am dancing to the Muppet Show. Okay. And we're dancing to Charleston. So we have, um, yeah, it's a fun, full-on kind of number. Okay, so and that's that whole, it's time to face the music, that one you're doing, yeah. is it? Yeah, brilliant. Yeah. Uh, yeah, so as I said, straight away, even if you don't know the theme tune, when the music starts, it just fills you up with like that buzz yeah. of like a Charleston. Song. And it really lends yeah, to the Charleston, good. that sort of music, doesn't it? Yeah, and um, look, we, like, you'll you see tonight, we're right there and we're just having the cracking smiles on our faces. That's what it's all about. Um, yeah, hopefully we're going to put a show on tonight. Great, good stuff. Well, as you said, tonight is the night. We'll find out the four that are going into the quarterfinals. Best of luck, Ryan. How are you feeling about it? I think a lot of people are saying it's a shoe-in for you, but people have to vote at the same time. Oh, I don't think that at all. Like, genuinely, it's, like, it's a public vote at the end of the day. So, you know, there's people in the show that, you know, have great support as well. Mm. So it comes down to the judges' votes, but also a public vote. So, and you've seen in the past, great people have gone. Yeah. So yeah. anything can happen. So that's why, look, a lot of this is out of our control. Anything can happen. And, yeah, I just love if, you know, if anyone is in at home, like not even for me, but whoever they're liking and supporting, they just pick up the phone because they could leave. And then that's it. That's their journey over. Yeah, true, true. Well, listen... Good luck tonight. Enjoy that Muppet Show TV theme and hopefully we'll see you next week in the quarterfinals. Thanks a million, Ryan. Thank you so much. I really appreciate it. Thank you. The Sunday Grill on Beat 102-103. This year's West Waterford Festival of Food has a sustainability Irish-inspired programme. To tell us more, Festival CEO Gemma Tipton is on the phone. Hi, Gemma. Hi, how are you? Now, over a month to the West Waterford Festival of Food, it's on from the 17th to the 19th of April. But we know from old, you expect 35,000 visitors to the weekend. So it's probably best to have a look at what you're interested in now, isn't it? Well, it's hard to believe on a sort of sleepy March morning that we're going to be absolutely inundated with foodies, families and people who are just interested in a really, really fabulous weekend. Mm. But that's what's going to happen. What do people, like when they describe the West Waterford Festival of Food, I know people talk a lot about the markets that are on in the square in Dungarvan, which is, of course, where the Festival of Food takes place. But there's lots of other stuff. Like, how do people who aren't organisers describe it? Is it the market they're interested in or the side events? I think the wonderful thing about a festival is it gathers everything together. So you may come for the market or you might come for one of our big flagship dinners at Woodhouse or Lismore or the Old Bank, but then you'll find something really intriguing and quirky, and you'll meet friends or new friends, and you'll dive off on tangents, and your kids might spot the free family fun day in the Glanbia car park and meet the reptiles and the birds of play, mm. prey, and all of a sudden you're having unexpected adventures. And I think that's what makes festivals rather than mm-hmm. one-off yeah. single events so special. Now you have a theme this year and it explores what it is to be sustainable Irish, sustainable and Irish. What, what does that mean to you? Well, I think we hear an awful lot about sustainability and it often sounds a little bit miserable and grim. And like you have to eat nothing but whole grains that have come in hemp packages. 
And obviously, we're moving towards being 100% plastic free and we have a sustainability officer and it's part of everything we do. But when we talk about being sustainably Irish, we actually are talking about doing everything in moderation. So having absolutely brilliant good fun, but Mm. in moderation, really enjoying Blackwater gin from just up the road, but doing it in In moderation moderation. (laughs) so that it's. So that your life is sustainable, because if you decide you're going to clear out everything except mung beans, you're going to be miserable and it's not going to last. And we're also talking about what our communities and our society can be in order to stay sustainably Irish into the future. And that includes bringing in new cultures, new ways of thinking about the land. It's also about really valuing the beautiful land that surrounds us, letting it feed us but also enjoying it. So we've got foraging walks and we've got um, river cruises. So it's sort of knitting it all together and realising how lucky we are Mm. so that we'll look after it a bit better. And the West Washford Festival of Food has really embraced what you said about new cultures coming into West Washford and beyond and has had many events in the past where these new cultures have um, let people experience what their food is like. Absolutely. And whether it's, I mean, actually Irish people travelled the globe Mm. way before things like Ryanair and bought back Mm -hmm. intriguing spices that knitted into some of our cooking. But um, this year, the wonderful Nicola and Devere of Metze and Waterford, who are in Tremor, who are great festival stalwarts, are doing a demo and dine event at the Tannery Cookery School, where you can learn some great secrets of Middle Eastern cooking. And they're also doing a... I'm not going to pronounce it right, Mimouna um, afternoon tea on um, the Friday of the festival. And that's a beautiful end of Passover tradition where people feasted and welcomed people into their homes. So that'll be a lovely event on the first day of the festival. Uh, And of course, everything is available to have a look at and to book on West Waterford Festival of Food. Um, You're doing a new strand called the Industry Sessions. This is quite interesting. Tell us a little bit about this. Well, that's come out of talking to a lot of the producers in the region. In the early days of the festival, when it was very small, they would find new suppliers and new sellers through the markets. But the market is now such a wonderfully huge family event that that doesn't happen quite so much. So we were thinking of how we could act as a focus and be really useful to the people who are actually here to celebrate. Mm. So there's two separate strands. One is workshops by brilliant people for people with food businesses and that's food styling and food photography and yeah, I storytelling. I love the idea of this. I'm so interested in how food is uh, photographed. Absolutely. And you'll be learning a lot of tricks of the trade. But the storytelling one, I think, is really important too because mm. a lot of people start in business because they're really passionate. But um, as they get into it, some of that passion gets swamped in logistics. So it's reminding them how to tell the story of their great passion and their food. But another one we're doing, which is really interesting, I think, is Cafe Confidential. And apparently in year one of new food businesses, there's a 15% failure rate. And you mightn't think that's so bad, but by year three, it's 53%. So we're getting people, Colm Harmon of 3FE, Stephen Cass of Cass & Co., Catherine Cleary from the Irish Times, and writer Lawrence Macken to tell stories of how their businesses grew, what the pitfalls were, and whether they would recommend it as a wonderful lifestyle change. Okay. <laughs> and that's on the so Friday. Some honest festival. chat there. Honest chat followed by a very honest glass of wine. Okay, great. I like the sound of that. Great. Loads going on as usual at the West Washford Festival of Food. Of course, we call Dungarvan the base, but it spreads out to the Greenway, to Lismore, as you were saying earlier, and beyond. And you can get more details on what's happening. Things aren't available to book until mid-ish March, but you can look on the website. It's westwashfordfestivaloffood.com. Gemma, thank you so much for talking to me on what I'm sure is a really busy time for you. <laughs> Thank you. Looking forward to seeing everyone in West Waterford in April. The Sunday Grill Movie Munchies with Odie and Waterford. Action or comedy, sci-fi or rom-com with a choice of eight screens. There's a film with your name on it. More at odeoncinemas.ie.
We couldn't let International Women's Day go by without a nod to some of the empowering female-focused movies down through the years. Michelle Heffernan got into a bit of a movie rabbit hole over the past few days and she's here to tell us her favourite movies that celebrate women that are available on streaming sites right now. You're very welcome. Hello, Orla. You're very welcome back. Thank you. Happy International Women's Day. Happy International Women's Day. Empowered women in movies. What were you looking for? Empowered women in movies is not easy to come across. Yes, because we, we must talk about this test mm. that has been out. Well, it's been out, named after a cartoonist from the 80s, but it's called the Bechtel test. Mm-hmm. It's quite interesting. Yeah, so um, contrary to popular belief, there are not that many female leads mm. that would pass the test. No, um, and the test is two or more women who have names. Those two women need to talk to each other because mm-hmm. a lot of time the women are pitted against each yes. other in movies. Yes. And when they do talk to each other, they need to talk to each other about something that's not to do with a man. Exactly, yes. Mm. So often, more often than not, women are in a movie to support the plot of a yes. man. or to fall in love with that man. Yes, or mm. to be saved by that man. Mm-hmm. The list goes on. So I have picked out some of my favourite movies where, yes, there are men involved, but it is ultimately a woman a movie about women. Um, and I think I cannot not include this woman on the list. She's a real life woman and her name is Erin Brockovich. Yes. And now before we talk about Erin Brockovich, the really great thing about these that you've chosen is that they are available on streaming sites. Oh, exactly. Yes. Like Netflix or Amazon Prime, whatever is your bag when it comes to streaming now TV. Erin um, Brockovich, I cannot believe this is 20 years old. Is it that old? Yeah. Oh my goodness. Yeah, it is based on a true life. It's a biographical yes. film. Yes. Um, it's the true story of the lawyer, Ara yes. Brockovich, played by Julia Roberts, and yes. she fought against the energy um, corporation Pacific Gas and Electric Company. Let's have a quick listen and then we'll chat a little bit more about it. And do you understand this is serious? And what? And I'm not serious? You're emotional. Look. You're erratic. You say any goddamn thing that comes into your head, you make this personal, and it isn't. Not Personal? That is my work! My sweat, my time away from my kids. If that's not personal, I don't know what it is. You're making things personal. We hear that a lot. Yeah, mm. yeah. Um, this is really a great movie to, I suppose, demonstrate the difference between men and women and how they approach things and what mm. women can value as a strength can be seen as a weakness or a difficulty by men. Um, and Julia Roberts... I mean, I, I really think she definitely deserved the Academy Award for this mm. because she really showed that, I suppose, even if you're a woman who is on an unequal footing, you can still carry yourself as equal to everybody else. And I think that is what she did in this movie. She definitely didn't consider anyone to be beneath her. Yeah. And she made a fool of mm. people who thought they were above her. And I haven't seen it in years, but the clips that I was watching when you sent me your list of movies, even though she did make things personal... Her approach. It was her personal approach oh. that won people over, mm. you know, and it was her personal approach that ultimately made her a success. I mean, she really got into the core of those families and she mm. became so close to them that winning that case was more than money at her job to her. And mm-hmm. that is why she was victorious. Mm-hmm. And, you know, just starting out, I love at the start of that movie where she's the single mother of three and this lawyer, Ed Munson, has promised her that he'd win a personal accident claim for her and mm-hmm. he loses it. And she just sort of marches back into his office and says, you owe me. You know, I'm broke. I have mm-hmm. no money. And you said that you would get me money and now you haven't. So you owe me a job. So you employ me. Yeah. Well, it is available on Netflix if you want to check that out. Um, let's talk about something very different, yes. but in the same genre of work, and that is Legally Blonde I know. on Netflix. I suppose when you think of empowering movies, you may not think of no. Legally Blonde because Elle Woods is what we would call a typical bubblegum sweet exactly. woman. And it is the fact that Elle Go- Woods is so sweet mm. and adorable and I suppose everything that you would think of when the stereotype of the pretty girl and she still manages to work her way into a world where she is told that she doesn't belong, mm-hmm. you know. And usually with movies like this, the pretty girl, the, you know, the girl who does gets the manicures and has the makeovers is pitted against the smart girl. But Elle Woods, she, I suppose, falls in line with all these women who come along her way um, and she isn't made out to be a villain for caring about the way she looks. She is there saying... I can be into glamour and I can be into, you know, romantic comedies and I can also care about things that matter. Mm. Um, And ultimately, I think by presenting that stereotype, she's breaking it. 
Thelma and Louise. Thelma and Louise. I've forgotten about this. I one. watched this movie last night okay. and I can't believe I've never watched it before. I always thought. Oh, that, it's nearly 30 years yeah, old. Yeah, yeah. I always thought that Thelma and Louise was, um, I don't know, about some kind of like really two rough girls yeah. and I wouldn't identify with it but they're actually they're movie, actually so. sweet American okay. housewife's girlfriends mm. um, one's a waitress one's a housewife and they decide to go on a girls weekend away together and everything changes everything falls okay. apart Is this a little bit hangover-ish if you were to compare no, it to the movie? Okay. No um, I do, but I also I think that this is a movie um, that maybe it's definitely a movie that went against everything that was in Hollywood at the time. Mm. You know, we're, when you're talking about this movie was released in 1991 and in the 1980s, you really just had men be the centre of every action mm-hmm. movie. This is an action movie where two women from a seemingly simple background end up going on a crime spree. Mm. And it sort of breaks, it would have like massively broken down boundaries of what women are capable of. And even watching it now, you still feel like I'm a woman and I'm a rebel without a cause. Okay. And it's fantastic. Fab. Okay, so that is Thelma and Louise. Of course, it stars Susan Sarandon and, and Gina, Davis, Gina Davis, who I, is gorgeous. And she has the most, the sexiest scene with Brad Pitt. I know oh, we're talking about and women. Very young but Brad a very Pitt. young Brad Pitt. Yes. It was one of his breakout roles. So okay. it's actually worth watching. That's just available look at on him. Netflix if you want to check it out. <laughs> of course, that has an iconic scene where they're in a convertible, an old convertible yeah. car. They make a decision about what they're going to do yeah, with their lives. Yeah, it's really well worth a watch. Okay, good yeah. stuff. Let's uh, finish up with our final movie. And it's one that's very close to us here. And when I was in um, journalism, doing journalism as my degree, this was the woman that we talked about about so much and in a way she really inspired me but her level of journalism and investigative skills it was almost quite terrifying with the sort of situations that she got into because of the stories that she wanted to uncover and it is of course Veronica Geer and this movie about her was made in 2003 just somewhat seven years after her death and it stars um, Kate Blanchett it is a hard watch in parts Mm, let's have a quick listen to a clip from it It's a waste of time when I'm writing. I'm a reporter. I'm supposed to be writing about things that matter. I have a great life. I have a great family. But I feel like I should be making a difference. Eight kids from this block alone died from drugs last year. All of them under 15. Nobody's writing about it. Nobody cares. I don't know how I feel about Kate Blanchett's Irish accent there. Have you seen the movie? Yes, but years ago. And it's a great, we were just talking off air about there's a certain scene where she gets quite violently hit. And it's, it's, I still remember how much it took my breath away to see it. And And it would have taken, before she even died, Mm. she was attacked. Mm. Like I said, she was Mm. attacked. Um, I think uh, someone invaded her home and shot her in the Mm -hmm. leg. Um, And she was attacked personally, as Mm -hmm. you see in the movie. And that was never, that was unheard of Mm. for a journalist, especially a female journalist. Mm -hmm. Um, to, I suppose, be so... Under that level of violence yeah. because of stories that you know, she's writing. Um, and I think it actually shocked the world when a female journalist was murdered mm. over her work. And mm-hmm. that was a testament to how powerful mm. her work was. And w- about this movie, her death is very much at the end of the movie. Yeah. So it's a story about her incredible work and her yeah. incredible bravery. Yeah, exactly, mm. yeah. Um, I like Kate Blanchett's. Irish yeah. accent. Maybe yeah. I'll get used to it. And actually, she has a scene in it with Colin Farrell where he does a bit of a flirt with her. It's okay. a young Colin Farrell and it's um it's pretty priceless to watch. But I mean, Kate, I, I really do, do think that she embodies everything that Veronica Guerin was. Mm. She is bold, she is brazen, she sort of demands things from the guards that they wouldn't normally give. Mm-hmm. And she has the audacity to walk into cracked ends. And she was the journalist who didn't just go to the authorities for information. She went mm-hmm. straight to the source. Okay. Um, and she's absolutely inspiring. Great. She really is. That is four inspiring films about four very inspiring women. Two of them true to life. That is Veronica Guerin. That's available on Amazon Prime at the moment. Uh, then we have Erin Brockovich, another true story on Netflix, Legally Blonde and Thelma and Louise, all available on Netflix right now. Thank you. What Thank a way you. to talk about International Women's <laughs> Day and some empowering female movies. Thanks a million, Michelle. Thanks, Orla. The Sunday Grill with Crane and Crane Insurance. To compare motor and home insurance quotes across multiple different insurers, see craneandcrane.ie.